Hi there, esteemed audience, and welcome to another episode of Middle Grade Ninja. This is episode 199. So for 198 episodes, I've been telling you that I'm your host, Rob Kent, author of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees, and that's still 100% true. But for 198 episodes, I've been advising you to go and download your free copy. And because I know you're a loyal member of the audience, you've probably already done that. But if you haven't, from this episode going forward, Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Beans will retail at full price. And the reason for that change is, one, I want to make sure people know that they are getting a high-quality book that's well worth uh, their money and their time. Uh, but two, I've got three new books coming out this year, and I don't want them to have to compete with a free ebook. The first of those books is Rob Worm's Bird Adventure. I'm going to be telling you more about that the closer we get to March 23rd of 2023. You can see the brand new cover at middlegradeninja.com. Head there right now to get more information about the book as well as information about um, my other novels and interviews with thousands of authors, literary agents, editors, book people. The world's best people. All of that's available at middlegradeninja.com. And the show has been becoming a little bit more popular, and that's due to you, esteemed audience, because you've been telling people how much you enjoy the show and inviting them to come and listen as well. I hope that you'll continue to do that. If you haven't taken the time yet to write a review, I hope you'll do that as well. That helps me out, and that helps to grow the show, which helps every author who appears on the show. Uh, the reason I bring that up, a little bit of inside baseball, in the past, in order to bring you the best literary agent interviews that I can uh, make available for you, I would email uh, 10 literary agents in the hopes that maybe two or three would say yes. That's just been the, uh, been the, the uh, percentage rate in the past. Last year, for the first time, I emailed 10 literary agents on the same day, and 10 literary agents all said yes, which is great. We, uh, we all had amazing conversations, and you've got great conversations to listen to. Uh, but because of that, I have been spacing them out and releasing them slowly. Um, I try never to release too many uh, interviews of the same type, so I want the show to be varied. So sometimes you're hearing author conversations, sometimes you're hearing conversations with editors. I want the show to be a little bit different each week. Um, so this conversation with Nikki Terpolowski happened back on April 26th of 2022. Now we still talk about uh, evergreen topics regarding publishing, regarding submissions, regarding things you're going to want to know that are still very relevant to what you're doing here in January of 2023. But when we talk about current events or when she talks about where she's at for the year, I want you to have that context. Uh, that it was April 26th of 2022 that we had this conversation. Uh, Steve, audience, uh, knows I never summarize anyone else's biography. Why would I make you sit through me blundering through that? Uh, so if you would give uh, esteemed audience an overview of, of your background and we'll go from there. Sure. Um, I started Holloway Literary in 2011. So that's 10 years of being a literary agent. Um, I represent clients in a lot of different fields. Uh, it just kind of depends on what I'm interested in. And <laughs> But uh, romance, women's fiction, uh, young adult, domestic suspense, mystery, um, nonfiction, um, some light sci-fi and fantasy. And um, I also uh, I do 
film rights for my clients and moving into doing a little bit of producing to see how that goes. So um, I saw that you, you had a bachelor's degree in English and marketing with a minor in creative writing, and then you got a graduate degree in international relations. Was that all in service of, of a plan to become a literary agent, or were you just a fan of, of publishing? When did you get the, the literary agent bug? Right. Well, after all of my education, totally no strategy, um, which really, really concerned my parents particularly my dad, when I told him I was getting an English major, um, you know, he thought I was, he was hoping that I was going to be a teacher. And I was like, nope, I just like to write and read. And I, you know, I wanted to take classes that I liked. So it ended up becoming like an English major. And then, you know, I, I'm also a writer. I love to write. So I just, I just basically took the things that I liked and it ended up with like an English and creative writing. Um, I remember my junior year, my advisor was like, maybe you should, you know, she gave me a book. It was like, 20 careers for English majors or something like that. And so it was, I looked at it and I thought, okay, maybe marketing, PR, something like that would be of interest to me because I really had no plan. Uh, I just knew that I liked to write and read. And I thought if I took classes and got a degree in something that I liked, I would eventually do what I love. Like I said, my dad was really worried, but <laughs> um, so it kind of led me into you know, marketing communications, um, just fields where I, things where I could write and you know, corporate setting and create, you know, marketing plans and PR, all that kind of good stuff. And um, after a while, I got married. I had had um, my my first two sons, and I realized that I wanted to get into like publishing. I want to be. I wanted to work with books, so I interned with um, Elaine English in uh, D.C. I was living in Virginia at the time, and really loved the business. Um, and I, I wanted to, you know, when, you, you, when you're an intern, you think, okay, next step is to try to find position. And because of, at that time, remote work wasn't really a thing. I was in Virginia. The industry was, you know, primarily in, in New York. And I couldn't find any sort of, like, junior literary agent position or anything like that. So I opened my own agency. I just started. And I got really really lucky i was invited to moonlight and magnolia conference in atlanta georgia met most of my first clients there and just just started just rock and rolled and started signing clients and, and making deals and haven't haven't stopped it's a bold move <laughs> start your own literature and obviously it's, it's worked out your dad needn't to worry uh, because here you are you've got a, a successful literary agent uh you just see all these all these years later what um what can those who are thinking of doing the same learn from uh, your success um, in, in founding your own literary agency right off the bat? What were the, what were the most difficult things you didn't anticipate and what was maybe a little bit easier than you thought it would be? Right. Well, I mean, I grew up with really intelligent, supportive parents. And I think, you know, a lot of people have parents that are like, you can be whatever you want. I believe it. You know what I mean? So I thought I can, you know, but of course you have to do the work, you have to research, you have to have the experience. And so I, I think when I first started, I, I knew just enough to get started and to, and to, and to you know, to make those connections and, um, and sell, sell books and things like that. But I would recommend, and nowadays, you know, this situation wouldn't happen because I would be able, remotely, I would be able to find the position most likely 
that's not an issue anymore. I would definitely say for anyone that wants to become an agent to do lots of inter internships. Um, I, I always have lots of interns. I try to make sure they have lots of experience because I think about how I was and like, you know, you really want it. And I always try to find interns that are career minded, not just like trying to figure out like life or, you know, they may want to, they like to be around books. I really find, try to find interns that want to become agents so I can really give them that like a nice foundation and then promote within. So, um, and so I've had tons of agents, um, sorry, tons of interns, but my, my junior agent that I have with me now is a former intern and I have another one that is on that track. And so, and I love it when I can really work and nurture them, get a good feel for their, their, um, their personalities and their work ethic and things like that and kind of promote from within. So I kind of wish I had that for myself. So I try to be that for others. The esteemed audience knows that uh, my harp on this probably too much, but I want to see publishing decentralized from New York. I want to see them come out to the Midwest, go down to the South, because there's all these talented people who would be fantastic uh, additions to, to any um, uh, publishing house or agency, but they can't afford uh, New York rent. Uh, they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna come out and work three jobs to try and get a studio apartment in New York when they can buy a whole house for the same amount of rent <laughs> here in the Midwest. So if we get them to hopefully um, with the with the, with the pandemic, one nice thing coming out of that is is telework is more of an option. People could be remote. So well, how, how are you seeing uh, the impacts of the of the pandemic? Are you able to to reach out more to remote employees and things? Well, I mean, my entire agency has always been remote, so there was no impact. For <laughs> <laughs> <Sure. laughs> me, because now, you know, for a time, everybody was remote, you know, I was like, welcome to the club. I've been here. <laughs> and you see, it's great to work from home, right? Um, even though it is nice. The only thing, you know, I wasn't able to travel. I, I was doing a lot of, before everything happened, the world shut down. I was traveling to conferences like once a month. So, you know, being remote, I wanted to make sure that I'm, you know, getting out there, going to New York often, going to LA, meeting editors, taking meetings and things like that. And so um, that kind of stopped. But what happened is that everyone discovered Zoom. <laughs> and so we started having virtual meetings. And so, you know, and, and in fact, it's, I've actually made more connections with Zoom, you, you know, just because I don't have to travel and, you know, make schedules work and things like that. So it's, 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 been, it's been fun for me. Yeah, when you're traveling places to do conferences or whatever, there's, it's, it's always a joy to meet other writers and, and, and publishing people. And even when it's not, it is. Because uh, at least you have a great story about how terrible it was that one time that you could tell forever going forward. But there's that added stress of, of I'm traveling, I'm, I'm away from my home, I got to make sure that I'm out of here so I can call my loved ones for a short period of time before I'm back. Whereas uh, remote we can have a wonderful hour-long conversation, the same conversation we would have had over coffee at a conference, but just right here through the screen. And then afterward, we're right back home. It's, it's done. There's no commute. It's great. Right. Post-pandemic, I'm, I'm endorsing, <laughs> I'm endorsing Zoom. So whatever that's, <laughs> whatever that's worth. So uh, 2011, you found your agency. And when you go to this first conference, um, you must be uh, incredibly self-assured or, or bold because you're walking up to authors and you're saying, I've got a new agency and I want you. How does that go? Right. Well, I wasn't walking up. I was seated and they were coming to me, which is <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the speed dating where you go, you do like an eight minute pitch. So I just had people come to me. 
um, sit down and, you know, when you're a new agent, you really have to sell yourself and you have to sell the agency. And I think at that point I was really just very, and still am, you know, very excited and passionate about finding some good people, some good stories and, and making some book deals. And, you know, sometimes you find people that, that you resonate with, you know, they resonate with your personality and your, your, your frequency that you're on. And it just, um, you know, it works. And, you know, I don't know, you just, there's also, I guess, you know, if you believe that you can do something and you have, you know, you can back it up with like you've done some, you've had some experience and you've done the research, you just do it, you know, just do it. <laughs> so I wouldn't say that I was bold or anything, but I was, I was confident in my abilities. That's it. Not just, just confident. But uh, the, uh, the, the, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. Here we are, uh, what, 11 years later, uh, and you've got a thriving literary agency. Um, I know that liter the literary agents I've had on here in the past have said that on average, you're looking at between three to five years before you can expect to start making money as a literary agent yeah. was, I don't know if that's different when it's your agency and, and still on the door or... Yeah, I think I can't remember exactly how long it took, but it probably it was probably like between two, two and a half years. Yeah, you know, oh, that's accelerated. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, when you're first any new agent, you know, it's kind of like failure is not an option. You know, and you just you work until you get it done. You know what I mean? Like that's just kind of the the mindset that I had that I, that I have always had that I got from my family, my parents, just, you know, set your goal and achieve it. Failure's not an option. So that's just kind of how I am as a person. <laughs> so I was able, you know what I mean? And so at that, like I, you know, I originally had maybe, you know, five clients. I was like, okay, I only have five clients. I have to make five. I can't like fail with one of these. You know what I mean? Like, otherwise I'm, I'm not, achieving what I would set out and no one's going to want to work with me if I can't sell these five. So, you know, I was very motivated to sell my clients, which I did. So it was kind of like out of necessity. And are you to the point now, uh, 11 years later that you could sell some, some others not, or is it still, <laughs> they're all getting sold? <laughs> you know, yeah, I got lucky that, that in the beginning, but um, I mean, any agent will tell you, you're not, you're never, you can't, you're not going to sell everything because you it's really, it's really a crazy business, right? Like work on commission and you're hoping you're trying to sell something, but it, it relies on a lot of other things. You know, other people, a lot of people have to say yes. You have to find the editor. That editor's um, acquisition board has to agree. Their sales and marketing has to agree. Like, you know, a lot of different people have to say yes before. I say, honestly, it's a wonder how anything ever gets published because <laughs> it's like magic happens, you know, like the stars align just so, and then it's like, yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm still selling things, but um, there's always, you know, one that you were like, God, I couldn't sell it, but I always try my hardest. Um, I, I will pitch something till there's no one else to pitch it to, till I feel confident that I have done everything that I possibly can. I have shared this with every editor that on this planet that wants to read this and they've all said no. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know what I mean? Like I, I will, I will exhaust all possibilities so that I feel good about my efforts. I will never, you know, there's never a situation where it's like, you know, I, I send out to five people, they said no. 
that like that's not enough but you know it happens not happening when you're working that hard for your authors i assume you expect that you can't be the only one working that hard you want your authors to be meeting their deadlines and coming in and failure is not an option for them either is that fair <laughs> try to tone it down a little bit when a you know um also you may i, I was mar married to a marine so that didn't help my like my attitude of like you know being successful you know what i mean like very like success oriented like environment but um i don't I don't think I'm like that with my, my clients. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm supportive and, and helpful and they all, I mean, I don't, any writer is going to do what they need to do to get their books sold. Like they, you know what I mean? Like, it's not just like, this is a hard thing. This is like, a, this is joy and passion and it's fun. Like you've written this book and you want to share it with the world and it's exciting. And you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of like happiness and fun around being an agent for me and, 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 and selling books and being able to call my client and say, hey, I got this book deal, um, you know, what do you wanna do? Or going to a bookstore and seeing my client's books. Like that always makes me super happy. Like never gets old, always good. Whenever I go to any bookstore, I always check to see who's there, take pictures. Sometimes I'll post them, sometimes I'll just send it to them, say, hey, saw your book at, you know, with this bookstore or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've never had any issues with clients like not doing what they need to do, which is just, write, <laughs> revise, you know, um, and if something isn't turned in when it's supposed to be, like I'm, I have so many, you know, I have other things I need to be doing that I can usually say, okay, you know, take two more weeks because I would rather something be done right and turned in late than done wrong and turned in on time. That doesn't help anybody. So I assume the, uh, the writer in that position where they know they're going to need another two weeks, so long as they're communicating with you, letting you know what's going on, that's going to be all right. Yeah, the only, I mean, those types of deadlines are more self-imposed. You know, the only time a deadline there's a problem is if they've got a book deal and their editor is saying, okay, this book is due at this time. But even then, you know, sometimes you could, I can say, I can go to an editor and say, this writer um, has had a family emergency or, you know, something has happened or this has just been a little more challenging. Can they get two more weeks? Um, and they'll check on, and sometimes there is room in the, in the editorial or the publishing schedule to do so. Um, sometimes there's not maybe sometimes they'll say sure two weeks is fine and sometimes they'll say um, we could do four days or we could do a week or something like that gotcha. so you start off with the uh, five clients how many clients do you represent now i can't say offhand but i think it's probably like maybe 25 20 between 25 and 30 i'm not sure is that a pretty comfortable uh stable the right word stable of authors okay or, or roster yeah I always do what's right for me um when I can take on more I do if I can't then I stop you know occasionally you'll see I'm close to submissions and that's because either I need a break <laughs> and I just want to focus on what I have or I've got enough but I always um like I, you know just be, I mean I'm I'm running I'm the boss so I'm not gonna make myself do more than I can you know what I mean but I will push myself to do like if I find like I'm slacking off or something, which I don't really do, you know what I mean? Then I, okay, I can take on a few more clients, but it's always, there's always, it always has to be like what I'm comfortable with because I want to make sure that I have enough time because I'm very editorial. So I want to make sure I have time to work with each client in a timely fashion, work on their edits and pitch and things like that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> 
So how, how actively are you seeking clients at, as, as we record this? Um, so at the beginning of the year, I brought on several clients, um, several, like maybe, I don't know, five or six, which is, which is enough to keep me busy for like the first quarter. So we're kind of moving out of that and I'm going to start looking again. I'm probably going to do like one more, like big, like push to see what I can find and then call it, call it quits for the year and book and then focus on some other things. So I am looking, but I mean, I'm always looking, you know, like it's hard not to like want a good story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm always excited by like really great stories. So it's just a matter of like, if I'm not looking at my submission, sometimes my assistant is, and she, I, I have asked her, if you see something that's really good, even though I'm not looking, let me know. So she'll, you know, occasionally that does happen. It depends on my workload and, you know, what I can take. I'm, I'm looking for less and less editorial the busier I get, but um, occasionally I'll find something and just, it just resonates with me for some reason. And I'm like, I don't care that it needs a lot of work. I want to see if we can get this like in really good shape and get it sold. That happens. I can't remember which guest coined the phrase. I give them credit, but they, they called it submission brain where you've been reading uh, just submissions for so long that they're terrible, terrible, terrible. And then one is like slightly not terrible, not good, but slightly not terrible because you've been reading terrible for so long, this, but not terrible starts to look good. So they want to have somebody else look at it. Like, is this submission brain or is it really genuinely good? Thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you can, you can read so much that you're like, and sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see something and either you know that person or you had a, you you know that they thought that they talked to you on social media or you've met them in person or they are a friend of a you know family member not a family member but a friend of a friend or, you know since for some reason you like really really want this to work out and it's not great and you're like okay i know this is not great let me get a second opinion <laughs> let me just double check so it's just always good to have opinions but it, like i said it's a core part of my training but it's also um super helpful to be able to refer to, okay, what is, what, what does someone else think about this type of thing? Like I said, but at the end of the day, it's, it's my decision. Um, and sometimes I'll, I'll read something and then I'll, and I haven't looked at the evaluations. Then I'll go back and just see if they are, okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Oh, that's different. Let me go back and see if I, if I agree with that. I suspect that, I don't know, 50, 60% of people at least have, if not a novel, a screenplay or an idea from one or both. Um, so being a literary agent, you must get approached on a regular basis by, I don't know, the person who's uh, can't come by to do the, the plumbing or <laughs> yeah. uh, the male person. <laughs> in, in my real life, no one knows what I do. Oh, that's smart. So you don't have to worry about being at a party and somebody corners you and says, hey, I heard you like books. I got one. No, not, I mean, not really. And, and, and many people outside of publishing don't know what a literary agent does. You know what I mean? Like, you'd be surprised. I have actually mentioned it. I'm like, oh, and there's like a look that's confused. I'm like, you don't know what that is. Do you? They're like, are you like a publisher? You publish books? Like, what do you do? I get that a lot. Like, there's just like a general like, you know, outside of publishing, if you're not into it, you know, you might not know what those, those different positions are. They'll just say, I just help people get their books sold. And they're like, oh, cool. That's it. So there's not in my real life, like no one really knows. 
they just know like I like to read and I have books around me like everywhere that's it oh she's always like writing on her laptop that's it yeah <laughs> so big surprise but yeah <laughs> well whatever it is she seems to be doing well with it so <laughs> bookish her that's about it even like for a long time my mom was so confused she was like telling people it was like a publisher I'm like mom I'm not a I'm not a publisher I'm like <laughs> what do you do I mean I know you do something with books I'm like yes I help people write their help them with their books get them sold <laughs> so. my wife works in the tech sector uh, and so I, I've given up trying to explain to people what she does for a living and she'll explain it and they'll just stare at her blankly and go, aha. Uh -huh. So I just say she internets for a living. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's, it's going well. <laughs> if you're not in the sector, it, it, it won't matter. Um, so, okay. So as far as uh, all the folks that listen to this show who are very uh, clued in, they know what's going on with, with publishing. Uh, they're going to send you the, the, the finest written queries. Um, so how are they, how are they going to get your attention? What types of projects are you looking for right now? Okay. <sighs> what am I looking for? That I do try to update my website because it changes, you know, what I'm looking for changes. Sometimes I'll, I'll say I'm looking for this particular thing. I'll get a lot of it. I'll find like one or two that I want to work on. And then, okay, I'm, I'm burned out. <laughs> no more of that. So I do definitely, you know, I, sometimes I'll tweet about like what I'm looking for and I, update my website but to answer your question what am I looking for uh I still have let's see I think I would love I would love to find some young adult like some really great young adult like sci-fi and fantasy um I brought on a middle grade um author that I'm really excited about but I think I could take on another one or two middle grade. And that's just because I've got my sons, my um, younger sons are 14 and 11. And so we have gone through lots of middle grade fiction in this house. And I'm always like reading with them. Like we listen to audiobooks in the cars and things like that. So it's really like, like um, I would love to find something, um, I think like that. Some, some sort of really great middle grade like fiction with like light fantasy or sci-fi elements. Nothing contemporary. So let me see what else. Also, mm, it's getting really hard to find new, new or fresh domestic suspense because it's such a, I'm talking about kind of like the Gone Girl type books. Those are very, um, it's getting overdone. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's hard to find something that's different from what's already out there. But if I could find something that was different, I think that would be interesting. Um, and mystery, I always love, I think mystery and um, thrillers and suspense is kind of like my jam at the moment. Yeah. Gotcha. And if there was a middle grade mystery, thriller, suspense, that would be, that would be just fine as well, right? That would be great. Yeah. I'll tell you, I have been looking, I look at shows of my family. <laughs> so we have looked at, we recently finished looking at Lab Rats. <laughs> I don't know if you know that or not on Disney. Um, it's about like these, these kids with like bionic powers or whatever. Um, so, and that we're, we've moved on to the next show, which is lab. So we looked at uh, lab rats and then there was um, Mighty Med, which is about these two kind of computer, sorry, two comic story geek types 
their word, not mine. Um, and they discover like a superhero um, store, a star, a superhero hospital in the, the comic book store. And it's about that. And so now it, the third series, which is like a, an extension, is those kids have somehow gotten powers or whatever. So I don't know. Like I'm kind of, that's where my brain is right now. So I would love to find something like that, I think. Um, and I'm always, I would love to find, like, I think, you know, it's very personal, like, what, how agents think. I would love to find, like, the type of stories I want my, my sons to read. I think there's a lot of, like, just with, like, the marketing trends, a lot of female-driven stories out there, but it's like, I'm a mom of three boys, and I'm like, where are the books for boys? Like, I know that there's been eons of books for boys, and I, but I want, I want some more books <laughs> for my boys to read, so I, I'm on that lookout for some really good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, fourteen, eleven, and how old was the other, the third? Twenty-two. Gotcha. And so, we, we, he grew, he, we were in Japan for a while, so he went through like a manga phase. So I'm not, into, I'm not into manga. I don't represent it, but I love Japan as a setting for like mythology based on like you know Japanese like culture. That's that's always like an interest as well. So if somebody sends you a middle grade book for boys, is part of the approval process going to be to turn to your sons and say, hey, what do you think of this? <laughs> I might. <laughs> I might. Actually, with the, the client that I currently have, I told my son, my 14-year-old, about the story. And he, he read like the first couple of pages, but then kind of just like got busy with other stuff and I didn't go back. And I, already, I had already read it and knew that I loved it. And so it did, but I did want to get his take. So I will eventually get him to read it, even though he's, he's a client, he's already on submission, being read. But um, but yeah, I probably would at least, like, here's what this is about. Does this sound interesting to you? Well, I mean, you'd be wasting a resource not to, right? Yeah, and fortunately he loves to read. They love to read, so. So I'm uh, looking over your submission requirements. Uh, anybody can find these at hollowayliterary.com. Um, you've got, uh, you, you want to have somebody come in that would tell you salutation, just hello agent. And then they'll tell you the word count on the story. And you want to know that as early as possible, even before the pitch. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, the way you format a query, it doesn't matter as long as you have all those key elements, but it's just one of those things that most agents, including me, you want to know that it's, an, it's, that has the correct word count, because if you, Everything sounds perfect, but it's like 50,000 words over. It's a pass. Like, so it's, it, you know, or if it's, if it's under, it's not, you haven't written enough, it's a pass. So that's, it's a very important thing that lets you know immediately whether I need to keep reading or not. So yeah, I would like to have it in the beginning. Well, otherwise, I'm just going to search for it at the bottom or wherever it is. Well, I mean, if the pitch is really great and I'm 2,000 words over, you wouldn't say, hey, cut 2,000 words or nope. Say two thousand. I said thirty thousand. Oh, thirty. Okay, sorry. <laughs> be very. You'd be amazed at how many people will send something fifty thousand words over, eighty thousand words over, fifty thousand under. That's why I like, like two thousand. That's fine. That's nothing. I'm talking about like, okay, you've written. You know, let's say for example, you have written. You know, a a mystery that should be between seventy and ninety thousand, and it's one hundred eighty thousand you've got two books here, you know, okay, you need to kind of go back and figure out how you want to, you're not ready for an agent. Like, that's the kind of thing I mean when I like, let me see what the word count is. So if it's 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, 
even 10,000, like, you know, it, but that's a, that's like a, a judgment call. Like sometimes if something is like science, you know, sci-fi or fantasy, it may be a little over because of all the world building, but some but you know, so you can kind of allow for that. It just depends on other factors, whether or not you, but so I'm not, I'm not like, like, like crazy, like 2000, you know, off of his head. No, it's like, you don't know what you're doing right now. <laughs> Please go, you know, and I have said to, I have said to like writers, this idea sounds really fantastic, but you are like 40,000 over. If you decide to cut 40,000 words, resubmit and I'll take a look. Fair enough. So not even off of this head then. Just very, very reasonable, practical advice. Well, yes. <laughs> so how, many, like uh, how many queries are you getting on a daily, weekly basis? Just estimate. Um, I probably get, I don't know, 100, 150 a day. Gotcha. And I had... Uh, uh, Lindsay Eager, previous guest, uh, checked the back catalog, esteemed author, well worth your time. Uh, she had worked as an assistant for Mary Cole, and she let me know that one of the, the things that gave her the most confidence as an author was reading the submissions that came through because she said she estimated that about 80% of them were ridiculously, woefully unqualified, could immediately be rejected. Is that a, a fair estimate, you think? 80%? <laughs> wow, that's super high. Um... Just outright rejected based on the query? Um, I don't know. Um, your inbox isn't the one she was looking at. What, what would you say it is? For me? Um, I mean, let's see. I, I hate having to ask, like, give me a statistic, give me a number. Like, when I, when I go through my inbox, I mean, I can definitely go through and see, like, the things that I haven't asked for. Like, if it's a genre, do you know what I mean? Like, okay. No, I don't represent that. Or I mean, so there's, I asked for a certain way to format, like if, and if you have the wrong name or if you have some, sometimes people will put like a crazy, like, like sentences, like just weird stuff. It's like, I can tell that you didn't read the submission guidelines. You know what I mean? Like, so your agents are looking for, for clues that this is not, that this person has like they're professional, they're really taking the business serious and they've done their research that they're submitting to the right person. And sometimes you can tell just right off the bat that they, they basically disqualify themselves with their query. Um, so that percentage um, that do that kind of thing would be, it, it's much lower than 80%. I mean, I would say like 10 to 15% just immediately disqualify themselves. Once I get past that, and then I'm looking at the one I'm reading, um, then like accounting for like poorly written, or you can tell that they're not ready for an agent, they need more craft classes. That's where it's really like the number goes up. <laughs> um, I think the majority, many people are, are pitching agents before they're ready to do so. Um, like, I hate to say this, but if you, if you are on your first book, your baby, it's, you're probably, your first book is never going to be your best book, you know, it's not, you know, a lot of times when you have an, a writer and they're like, this is their debut novel, they've probably written three books before, you know, this is only the first book that has come out, so, um, you know, a lot of times, so that number, I would say, I don't know, 60% <laughs> should not be querying, 
So I guess if you add that to like the 10, 15%, we're getting closer to that 75%. So, I mean, there, there's some very like, there are reasons that things are immediately like removed. So I guess that number is high. <laughs> Maybe 75, 80% um, are just not ready to, to be pitching. So, yeah. Just speaking from my own personal experience, I have never been more confident in a book than I was my first book. <laughs> Back before I knew what I was doing, I couldn't have been more confident. Every book since, like, oh my, now I know all the things that that that, that could be improved. That's that's many many years ago, um, and so now I'm a little bit more humble uh, about how I put something together. But that first book, it's gold. Print that thing. Let's sell. <laughs> it's not abnormal to think that every writer's like I have. Cause like everyone, everyone who has like actually written a book for the first time, like they, they deserve kudos for like actually completing a book, you know, like it's hard. It's not easy to like write a book and be done. You know what I mean? And to go through revisions and like, okay, it's done. It's just that, it, but like I said, there's, there are exceptions to every rule. There's, there's somebody who has written a first book. It's the first book they ever wrote. And it's like, it's amazing. That does happen. But it's just, it's not the norm. You know what I mean? So I like, I love it when someone has, has sends me a query and I'll always ask them if I ever, you know, get to have a conversation. So how many books have you written before this? Like, I'm hoping they are like two or three because then I know that what I have is gonna, has, is, is not gonna, you know what I mean? It's not gonna have the mistakes of like a first book. It's gonna be, by the time you have written two or three books, practice novels, that that fourth book or that third or fourth book, you know, is probably gonna be well-written. You know, you, you've worked out the kinks, you've learned how to plot, you've learned how to do natural dialogue, you've learned how to, you know, create natural flesh and blood characters. And those are things that, like, write, like writing a, a book is, is a long, arduous process, but it, you have to practice writing. I guess you could do it with like short stories, you know, you could really, or novellas or something like that. But most people that want to write books, they just like write a book but it's like you need to learn how to write. Um, and you can only learn how to write a novel by writing novels, right? So <laughs> you have to write two or three novels before you really get to that point where you're like, I need it. I'm, I'm good, I need it. I'm ready for an agent and an agent wants to see that. Nobody wants to hear that because that's it's like, you know, sometimes it may take you like two years to write a book or six months or nine months. Like no one wants to hear like, I need to do two or three of those before I get an agent, but you know. It assures usually that when you finally are done with all that practice, you've got a really well-written book, probably. <laughs> Isn't the legend that Stephanie Meyer had a dream and then got up and her wrote her first book? And it was obviously perfect. No room for criticism. Twilight is probably our finest piece of literature. Leave me alone in the comments. Anyway. <laughs> that, you know, when people dream up a book, that's, I don't know where that's coming from, but I've heard that before. I actually have a client um, who has published many books and one of her ideas, she says, was like a fully formed idea that came to in a dream. And, you know, historically that has happened to people, you know, so if your book is, if you dream an entire book, then that might be like divinely sent to you and you're going to be like famous and make a bunch of money and have TV shows and, you know, it, it, it can happen. <laughs> never say never. 
<laughs> well, that's how every writer should begin every query, even though it's not true. This was divinely inspired, because how can you reject something that was divinely inspired? <laughs> Although, uh, presumably, if, if, if that's happening, then you will also have a, a, a premonition or a vision that, oh, the, this book is coming to my inbox today. I better, better pay attention for it. <laughs> so assuming that doesn't happen, that remaining 25%, of quality books, what's going to catch your eye? What's what's something an author can do to let you know their profession? Just follow the instructions and catch you with a good picture. Is there something something else they can do? Well, following the directions is does wonders, right? Like you'd be amazed at like how happy it makes me and many agents just to know that you've actually followed the directions because it makes you stand out against the people that don't. Like you know, when you see someone who doesn't follow like your submission guidelines, which you have created for a reason, you know, you're like, okay, a hundred people have done this and this, these two people have not, you know, like it just makes you, it makes you think about them. Can they follow directions? Are they going to be a problem? <laughs> are they, you know, do they only want to do things their way? How are they going to be in edits? Like it makes you just, and not to say that they could not follow, you know, directions because they made a mistake or something, you know, you don't, I'm not like draconian about it, but it's just like, it's something that you notice, it's, you know, when you're going, when you're reading 500 queries at one time and you're like, okay, this one guy called me, you know, June, he didn't put the, this here, this is not here, let's, this pass, piece of pass, like these, these other people all did it. Let me, let me spend my time on the, on these, like that kind of, that can, that's part of submission brain too. When you're like, yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 no, because it's in all like bold, like I mean, like the silly, silly things, you know, or the the query is like this long, and you I can't find like what it's about. I don't know. It's just you know, it's like just follow the directions. That it's very helpful when you do that. But to answer your question, how can you the the way that you the I look. The, the best thing that you can do is give me what I'm looking for. <laughs> the best thing any writer can do is to find the agent that is looking for what you've written. That's why like research is really important. Sometimes it's really clear to me that someone has sent something to me and they've gotten my information from either a very, a, an old post from 2012, because I, I asked for certain things back then that I'm not asking for now. And they may reference that. So there's, you know, there's stuff floating around from back then or they have no idea what I'm looking for. You know, and that's an automatic pass for me. Like I'm not, no interest. I've never ever said I wanna read that. Not for me, you know what I mean? So don't do yourself a favor to the you know, writers and make sure that you're sending your the, the work that you've done to an agent that wants to read it. So the very, so send me what I'm looking for. Like see what I'm representing. And it doesn't mean like, for example, you know, sometimes you, an agent can, can find something and they didn't know they wanted it, you know what I mean? But usually it's the same genre. Like I may, someone could send me something that's like crazy off the wall, but it needs to at least be in the, the genre that I'm asking for. You know what I mean? Like, because sometimes it's hard to like know what an agent wants, but that's why you always recommend to writers kind of you know, use like manuscript wishlist, publisher's marketplace, find agents that are, have stated, I'm looking for this type of thing, make a list and then like 
follow them on whatever social media that you may or may or that you use and, and like get a feel for their personality. What do they talk about? Have they ever mentioned that they're looking for something that you like that you've written? Do have they traveled to a place that your story is set in? Like all those are kind of like clues that okay, this this could be a good agent. And it's it's hard. I understand that it's hard because there's a million different agents and we all want different things. But it's like I'm looking for sometimes it's very specific, you know what I mean? But it's like send me what I want to read. <laughs> That's all I can say. Like, you know, send me the genres that I'm asking for. I talk a lot about different stuff, uh, you know, online. Like, I don't think it's it should I don't think it should be like a mystery, like the stuff that I like. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm assuming you're not asking just because that stuff you like, but because the stuff that you know editors are you you know where to send that. You would you would be able to add it to to to, to, to represent that well. I'm assuming is this is part of why you're 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 choosing the categories. It's it's kind of like a it's it's like a it's like a cycle, you know. What I mean it's like if I love romance set in one country i'm going to make sure that i know all the editors that are looking for that you know what i mean like so I, for me personally i'm i mean I, I i'm an agent because i like to read and i like to write and i like to work with with writers and i like working in the publishing industry but for me for this to be enjoyable for me and i need to be working with things that i'm interested in so that's why i'm always like i'm looking for this i like this so i make sure that i'm able to sell what i like that makes sense. So, I mean, I'm never gonna add, I'm never gonna work for something that I don't like, but it's hot and it sells. Some agents will. Some agents are like, "This is what the market wants. I don't care what it's about. I'm gonna sell it." I don't. I'm not like that. Many agents aren't like that. So, I only work on things that I'm interested in, but also, I know I can sell. So um, I know you're asking for the first 15 pages. You mentioned earlier you might ask for the first 50 pages if you're interested in a partial submission. And I'm always curious, why not just ask for the full thing? Obviously, if the first two pages are trash, you're not going to read the rest. But if you get hooked, if you're really excited, I want you to have the whole thing right there, right now. Don't leave your comfortable reading place. Stay, stay with it for a minute. <laughs> give, me, give me a shot. Why, uh, why, why ask for less? It's just, I don't, I mean, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, an attachment is an attachment, but it's like, I don't, I already have so much to read. Like, don't give me more than I asked for. <laughs> That's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if so, sometimes something will come in and it's like, oh my God, this is so good. I need the whole thing. That, that has happened. Um, but like with me, there's a process, you know, I have some, you sometimes I'll have three different people read, you know, and they'll one, one reads the 15 pages, one reads the 50 and one reads the full. And, you know, it's, it helps me kind of pace myself, I guess, not to have the whole thing, but occasionally if, you know, when I'm, sometimes I will go through my queries and something will just like really stand out to me. And I don't even, I don't send it to my submission coordinator to like request it. I'll just shoot them a note, send me the whole thing. Cause I, I'm pretty sure I want to read this right now. You know, so that very rarely happens, but it does happen occasionally. <laughs> so, but it, yeah, it's just, you know, we don't, most agents don't want to, don't want more than they need. Like, it, you know, if I, another thing is that when you read a manuscript, if those first 50 pages don't work, 
then you don't you don't want to read the rest like that you know what i mean like if it's not set up properly and the writing's not good and all that everything's not there you don't there's no point to read in reading the rest of it that makes sense now, i would never advocate reading a whole thing if you know you've read how many submissions you know pretty early on i imagine maybe even before the end of the first page whether there's something here or not I, but I also know an author who was out with his wife for an anniversary dinner and he got an agent from an email. Hey, I'm interested in reading more pages. Like, oh, we got to go. I got to go send the whole thing right now. <laughs> I mean, I have, I, you know, very rarely, but I have, uh, I had a client that sent me something. Well, he wasn't a client then. I think I was actually in my inbox, the submissions inbox, and saw the email come in. And I read and I read the query and I was like, send this to me right now. Like, send this to me. He sent it immediately. I signed him the next day. That never happens for me, by the way. It just worked out. It was like January 2nd. And I just was have I, I personally don't I go into my inbox like every couple of months. But my my in, interns and assistants, they're all reading it like all the time. And I, he was like, lucky day, because he he just sent it and I read it and I was like, this is amazing. I want to sign this guy. And it happened less the fastest. I, I never move that fast. <laughs> never, never works that well. But that's that was that was amazing. But sometimes, like when you see something and you read it, and you're like, "This is so good!" Like, I, you know, it's just it's that feeling any reader gets when you find a book and you're like, "I'm going to read this whole book in one setting. I'm stopping everything. Sorry, kids. Find something and make peanut butter and jelly. I'm going to read this whole story." You know what I mean? It's like that that kind of feeling, and that's what agents want to feel. You know. When you it's a very exciting feeling when you're like, oh, this is really good. I'm gonna read this whole thing. Gotta read it. So well, I assume that 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 feeling is one of the reasons you're checking your your inbox and going through the pain of all these other queries that aren't that yeah. among other things. I'm what well, you you tell me what are the best things about being a literary agent? Being able to make money by reading. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense yes making money by reading and writing editing like those are my favorite things to do ever like always since i was a little kid I, you know was just like like to read so being able to make money and doing the what i love is like the best that's the first the second but like almost a tie is just being able to help i love i, I love working with writers and being able to help other writers get their books, you know, published. That is like a, you know, I don't know what's the word. Um, it's, it's a vicarious happiness and thrill for me to know that I have, this person came to me with like a Microsoft, Microsoft Word document, you know, and we worked on it. And then now it, you can go to the bookstore and they're doing signings. Like that's, that's, that's amazing. I love being a part of that. We've uh, talked about the impossible part of getting from the query to the full. So now you, you are that, that author that uh, has caught you on January 2nd. You're immediately interested. You love the manuscript. Fantastic. So we'll just assume that. How do you evaluate the author? What are you looking for ahead of uh, some sort of contact? And then what are you looking for? I assume there's a phone call involved. How are you deciding, is this person, in addition to being a great writer, eligible to be a great client? Right. Always looking for clues in the email communication initially. Like you want to make sure that there's no issues, <laughs> you know, red flags. Sometimes people can 
you know, you want to make sure that you're working with a client that's going to be easy to work with. There's, there's no problems. And so sometimes, you know, you, you'll, you can tell, and I don't mean specifically like I found a book, a manuscript, and it's great. Now the person's a problem, but you can tell sometimes people will argue with you. You know, you may say something offhand, like, you know, you may, I may suggest that you do this and they become argumentative. Like people that you that argue with like strangers via email are probably not someone you want to work with. Or you can tell sometimes writers are, have been pitch, you know, have been submitting their work for a really long time and are bitter <laughs> and jaded and hate agents and they take it out on whoever they have, you know what I mean? And you can, that comes through. So you can, some, those kind of people you don't want to work with. Um, so you, you kind of look for clues for their communication style, how easy they are to work with just via email. And then, um, so if I see something, I want to offer representation, we'll have a call. Nowadays it's a Zoom, but sometimes it could be a phone call and just talk and get a feel, you know, I don't immediately jump into like, let's talk about your manuscript. I'm like, tell me about yourself. Where are you from? What do you do? Do you have kids? Have pets? Like, just kind of like, kind of build a rapport and see if we like each other. Because it's not, honestly, it's not just, do I like this person? Do they like me? Do you want to work with me? You know, some, if you're fortunate, you will have multiple agents to choose from, you know? And so it's about making sure that this is a, this is a, it's a partnership. So do you want to work with me? Do you think that I can help you? Because are you going to trust me to like, help you achieve your goals? So you ha they have to figure that out. I have to figure that out. Do I want to work with this person all on like one call, <laughs> you know, and then, then offer then offer representation. Obviously, you don't want to work with anybody that's a total jerk or where there's a clear personality conflict and you're going to be fighting the whole time. But I'm, I'm always curious because if once once we get past a certain point, you're going out on submission. I'm trusting that you're doing that while I'm working on my next book. Um, I, I'm feeling free to, to reach in and check out or check in with you every so often to let you know what I'm working on, questions about what's going on. But otherwise, um, to a certain degree, um, I'm looking for I'm looking for a professional that's going to do the selling of the books that I can't do because you've got the contacts I don't have. How important is it that we become and I'm great friends with how important is it for an author to evaluate an agent? Hey, is this best friend material versus is this unbelievably awesome salesperson who's going to man the dream contract? Right. Well, I mean, I think I'm, I'm assuming that you're, that you're working with an agent that does, knows, knows their job. So assuming that you're working with someone, you know what I mean? Like my assumption is that you're, you're, you're pitching or you're submitting your work to an agent that has a track record of selling the type of books that you sold and can do the job. So that's, that's all like assuming that, that that's there. Then you want to make sure that the, the personality meshes and that kind of thing. Um, so that the other part of making sure that you have a, someone that can sell your, your work, that that's part of the research that you need to do online, which you can go to publishers marketplace and see what they have sold. That's like the very first thing I would do if I, was, if I was looking for an agent. I would see if they have, one, sold anything, two, have they sold things similar, in, you know, at least in the same genre. It doesn't, I don't necessarily, like if I was looking for an agent, they, it wouldn't like scare me off that, say for example, I've, I've written a mystery and they've only sold romance because they, we meet people 
you know, just because I'm not selling something in a particular genre, it doesn't mean that I don't know people in that field. You know what I mean? If I go to a writer's conference, there's all sorts of editors there, or I can take calls with people because I know that I want to move into a certain genre. So that would be, if I didn't see a track record for that genre, it would be a question I would ask them. So do you feel like you have the connections to sell this book? But I think at the end of the day, an agent, an agent that is established and that has a good, you know, track record period should know how to sell a book. Like I wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like, just like I said, if you have like sold a bunch of books, if you're like a nonfiction agent um, and you've never sold fiction, me as a, if I was not in the business out and just have read a bunch of like articles about how to be aware of agents, I would probably be like, oh, have, you know, you've only sold nonfiction. Do you think you can sell my fiction? But as an agent, I would be, I would find that kind of offensive because it's like they're a professional literary agent. They, if they can sell at nonfiction, they can sell fiction. It's just a matter of, of like contacting the, the correct agents, you know what I mean? Sorry, connect, um, contacting the proper um, editors, like an editor that, an editor that is looking for a certain type of genre is not going to say no to an agent because they've never sold in that field before. You know what I mean? Or because they don't know them, they're not, they, they've never met them before, they're still going to read their work. So, I, I mean, my first goal would be to look for an agent, a successful agent, period. But if you have to choose, if you, if, like, if you're fortunate enough to have two or three to choose from, sure, you may want the one that has had, you know, say you're writing romance and you want an agent that has sold 10 books in romance. Of course, that person is going to, they may have an edge over an agent who has only sold nonfiction. But if you don't have a choice and you have a nonfiction agent that is, you know, well-established and has a great, you know, maybe you talk to their clients and like everything is all good, they can probably sell your work too. You know, it just depends. Like if they're asking, agents don't usually ask for things that they can't, that they're not interested in, that they can't properly edit, that they can't sell. And I'm not talking about the ones that are scammers or that are like, you know, there's 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 bad apples out there and there's I'm, i try not to read too much like absolute beware that kind of stuff but i know that there's like bad agents out there and people that are like yeah i can do this and they can't like you know but there's so many good agents out there like just do your your homework and try to find the good agents that are out there <laughs> just listen to this podcast just teamed audience if they're here they're a great agent that's <laughs> that's how it works <laughs> Now, like, there's, you know what I mean? Like, there's no reason why you can't find good agents. Gotcha. So, I'm um, watching our time, and it's it's flying by. I have a question that I ask everybody that comes on this show, and I would never want to skip, not even for one episode. Nikki Turpolaski, have you ever seen a flying saucer and or a ghost? <laughs> you ask everybody that. I do. <laughs> I've never seen a ghost. And the one time I thought I saw a spaceship, I told my dad, and he said, we lived near Fort Bragg. He said, that's probably like a stealth like plane or something going to the base. And I was like, okay, so maybe. So I guess, I guess it wasn't. <laughs> that's just what the aliens wanted you to think. <laughs> uh, another question I ask every uh, publishing professional who's good enough to come on the show. Uh, is that uh, publishing does not have a great track record of diversity or inclusion. Uh, neither does the United States, but we're focused on publishing. 
Um, we know that there's been a movement for We Need Diverse Books. Um, where do you feel publishing is in terms of uh, becoming more diverse? And then what is Holloway Literary doing to increase diversity within publishing? Well, I think that like right now is the best time to be a diverse author because everyone's looking for it and very eager to publish and correct mistakes of the past. So that's like right now, like this second right now, it may not be the same in a year or two, but right now it's hot. <laughs> and like it, most people are saying, you know, like hopefully diversity is not a trend, right? We don't want, the, you know, the idea that anyone, that, that a person of color or diverse, diverse backgrounds can write something and, and that there's not a market for it. That's not a trend, you know what I mean? That, that's a, a universal concept, I think, that everyone can write books that resonate with other people. They don't have to be from a certain group. But um, I think, I'll tell you as an example, in the past, if I had an African-American author, say for example, maybe romance, there would have been only three or four editors to send it to. And that's something that I had to consider um, like with, with my clients, it's like, I would have to have a conversation, like, you know, just so you know, there's like four editors that are looking for this. And once I pitch them and they all say, no, that's it. It's not like that anymore. And I'm really happy about that. But now I could send, I'm just making up a number. Now there's 14 or there's 24, you know, like people, the publishing houses are very open and looking for different types of stories, not just African-American, but like different, you know, different cultures, different, like ethnicity, everything, like everything is, is wide open right now. So it's, it's, I think it's a really great time, but like, I don't, I hope it doesn't change because there was a period of time, maybe um, late nineties when African-American um, fiction was super hot. It was like when Terry McMillan came out, um, Omar Tyree, there was just a lot of um, Lynn Harris, lots of African-American authors. And then it like, it died down, like, like people stopped reading it or something, which I don't think, there's always a disconnect, I think, with what publishers are putting out and what readers are asking for. Um, it happened with, with Chicklet, for example. Chicklet was really hot. They were pumping out, pumping it out. And then all of a sudden they stopped, um, they said, oh, well, no one's reading it anymore, so we're going to stop making it. And then it became like a bad word in the industry. And then it resurfaced a couple of years ago as rom-coms. And now it's hot again because, like, publishing has said it is. But, like, people, you know, people that read that, they don't, like, stop reading it. The, you know, so it kind of comes from the top down, those, the trends. So hopefully the, the, the idea that diverse stories are marketable and resonate with people outside of those diverse uh, readerships is is here to stay. Um, in terms of what um, what does Holloway Literary do? We do what we always do from day one. You know, I am a person of color. I've always looked for authors, you know, diverse authors. I've always known, even if it was going to be a hard sell, try to take it on and, and pitch it and do my best by it. It's just easier now. Not easier to sell, but just more people that are willing to read it which is great. And it's, it's almost like an overcorrection right now because it's like people are so eager to, to find diverse voices right now. Um, I just, I hope that it doesn't overcorrect and then it goes back to like, no, no one wants to read those voices. <laughs> you know, I think that it should just be like part of the, of, of our, the market that 
there's lots of different people in the world there's lots of different stories and there's there's space for all of them but um yeah i have personally have always looked for different types of stories like i mean i'm african-american you know so it wasn't it, there was never like i'm not doing anything different you know i'm just looking for the same good stories i've always looked for it's just easier to get editors to read it may that continue going forward who's the is the hope uh, and then uh, an impossible question. We'll think about landing this thing. I acknowledge it's impossible right up front because uh, I'm going to ask you to, to predict the future. And to the best of my knowledge, that's not something that you can do. Um, but looking at publishing, looking at the way the houses have consolidated and appear to be continuing to consolidate unless the U.S. Department puts a stop, uh, U.S. Justice Department puts a stop to it. Uh, looking at some of the, the impact of the pandemic, looking at the high turnover rates for editors, what is the state of publishing now and how do you see publishing evolving in terms of how are you preparing your authors for the, the future of publishing? Right. Well, I mean, I always tell, this sounds kind of cliche, but you know, I encourage my, my writers to always write what they want to write. Like, I don't think that you don't write to a trend because it doesn't, it never ends well to write to something that is hot right now. And then when you finally finish the book and I'm, I can sell it for you, it's not hot anymore. You know what I mean? So one, I always tell my writers to, you know, write a story that you want to write now in terms of, okay, is this in terms of markability, which that's my job is to make sure that I can guide them to do like what's going to make sense for them is to try to figure out how to take the ideas that they have and, and move them towards a genre or an, a concept that's like hot. For example, I have a client that has been writing cozy mysteries and she is, she's trying to pivot into domestic suspense. And um, as I mentioned earlier, domestic suspense is getting harder and harder to, um, getting harder and harder to find like really fresh ideas. So I'm working with her to, um, while staying true to herself as a writer and what she's interested in, trying to find a way to make her story different enough to stand out so that the editors want to read it. Um, so that's my, my, my goal as an agent for my, my writers is to help them write the stories that they want to write, but in a way that is marketable. And in terms of what that looks like, um, it's, a, it's a hard call. That's why it's, that's why I don't know. I don't like to make predictions because if you have done something based on a trend and then it doesn't work out, you're not going to feel good about that. But if you've written something that you, the story that you've always wanted to write or something that you enjoy and it doesn't work out, well, you still have written something. You've spent time on something that you cared about, that you, that you liked, that you loved. You know what I mean? So it's still that it still may hurt, <laughs> but it doesn't hurt as bad as like, feeling like you sold out to a trend and then it didn't work out, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm answering your question though. <laughs> um, how am I helping? Possible question, so. <laughs> um, in terms of, okay, how do you, how am I helping, telling them to prepare? The best way that you can like navigate like a, um, a rocky industry, honestly, is to be the best possible writer that you can be, like continue to like practice writing practice, like, like continue to learn, like write the strongest story that you can learn, uh, the story that you can write. Um, 
have, you know, not only do, you know, is it my job to like keep them aware of like trends and you know, what's going on in the marketplace, but they have to also be aware of what is going on in film and TV because that kind of blends and, you know, bleeds into, to mark, um, into publishing <clears throat> so that they can kind of, they can make, they can be aware of like what they're writing and how they can, they can change it for as an example if you are writing mystery for example you may see that in like tv and like a streaming like you know dark and edgy is very hot right now so eventually and it already has you know movie having really dark and edgy mysteries is is very popular right now so if that's something that resonates with you then you should think about doing something like that but I don't know. This is, this is an impossible question with an impossible answer. <laughs> I don't know. I just tell my writers to stay true to themselves, write the, you know, be the best writer that they can be because, you know, it's, it's hard to deny a good writing, like be a good writer. Don't, you know, is I can't sell bad writing, but I can sell good writing no matter what the market is, you know, it's like, so just write what you want, be the best possible writer. And I'm still, I don't care what's going on in the market. I'm still going to try to sell it. Like, it doesn't matter how many people have been like, have, <laughs> have left the industry. I'm going to send it to those four people that are left and we're going to see what happens. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't worry about it. I just continue and do what I need to do. And that's about it. I don't think I answered your question. <laughs> oh, I think you answered a better one. And I think that's the perfect note to end on. Do what you do and, that makes sense. Uh, where can esteemed audience find you online, follow you on social media and all that good stuff? Okay, so I am a woman reading uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and then is it hollowayliterary.com? Yes, and then you can go to um, hollowayliterary.com, um, my website. And also the agency has Twitter and Instagram as well. You can see what we're up, all our clients are up to, the books that are coming out, and things like that. And as always, esteemed audience, for more interviews like this one uh, with agents, editors, book people, you know the people, go to middlegradeninja.com. And God willing, I'm alive. I'll see you next week.